Hello and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. So for a light-hearted take on Bristol's progress on and off the pitch this season, stay tuned. In this season's finale, we take a look back over the past 14 months and pick out some of the key games in Bristol's barnstorming season. We give our thoughts on the players that have left, the ones that arrived and any gaps we think need to be filled for next season. We'll also take a look at some of the off-field moments that have made this such a memorable season for the podcast and all of us as fans. All this and more in this week's show. I'm Tony, and this week I'm joined on the phone by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, gentlemen, it's the season review. Um, We are on episode 48 of the podcast, um, and uh, this is where we're going to round it all up. So great to speak to you tonight. It's Sunday evening, our normal Sunday recording slot. Uh, and first of all, let me go to Miles. Miles, I think I think you're doing a Pete, aren't you? You're you're speaking to us from Devon. Well, sadly, I'm closer to Sandy Park than I am Ashton Gate lads, and I'm quite ashamed by that fact. I was walking around this fine town of Topsham just outside Exeter today, only to spot what I'd to class one too many blimmin' Chiefs flags stuck up on houses and gates. I'm, I'm ashamed <laughs> to say. I, I nearly I nearly snapped them and put Bears flags up instead, but fair play <laughs> to Chiefs over the weekend. It did the double, but yeah, I'm, I'm on a little on a little half-term holiday for this week. Well, thanks, thanks for dialing in, and um, uh, and Pete, how are you, my man? I'm very well, Tony. I've been waiting for quite a while for this episode to be recorded. Um, you know, we're all ready and waiting, weren't we? Uh, with all of our uh, our research and all of our ideas, only to find that Miles hadn't sorted his tea out properly, had he? We had to. We, he was late <laughs> coming in. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, now we're here. It's good to hear him, but. Um, Yes, you know, timekeeping, eh? Timekeeping. And just before I move on to to Lee, I've just got to say that uh, Miles and Pete, your respective ladies, came round to have a glass of wine with my wife um, in the week. Really? Yeah, they did, and it was interesting because um, I I, I heard the other side of the story of Miles... um, his Saturday morning hangover, <laughs> which, 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 I, Miles, you'll be relieved to hear. I'm not going to go into any details, but, Good. But, but, but Pete, I think I might have dropped you in it, mate, a little bit. Really? Because um, we, we, I, I just popped into the kitchen, just had a little bit of a chat. We were talking about the new black and pink shirts. And yeah. um, I, I don't think you quite told your uh, good lady how much you spent on that particular shirt. <laughs> you? Well, if she's got a problem with that, all I have to do is is balance it out with the number of shoes, coats, um, dresses that have appeared uh, in our in our house over the last five years, and um, I think she'll realise that I very rarely spend money on clothing so uh, but it's nice to know that tone i appreciate the uh, the little heads up i'll be having a little conversation about that later <laughs> <laughs> she said 70 quid you never told me that anyway I'm let's, sure, yeah. let's let's go over to lee lee how are you this sunday evening I'm all good, Tony. Thank you. Nice to speak to you, boys. Um, yep, yeah, I've got all my uh, research, tons and tons of paper in front of me, and ready for the season finale tonight. 
Well, there we are. Look at it. We've all we've all done a bit of homework, which must be a first for uh, for, for Bears Beyond the Gate. So, what we thought we'd do, uh, we want to take a look at the season. Um, we're not going to go through every game because obviously that would be a, a bit of an epic podcast. So, what we've done, we've picked out one game a month um, that. Um, kind of either mean something to us or we think were pivotal games and Bristol season. And before we start, let's just remind ourselves uh, across the Premiership Rugby Cup, uh, the Gallagher Premiership and the European Challenge Cup campaign, the Bears have played 36 competitive games. They've won 24, drawn two and lost 10. So we have won two in every three games that we've played this season, which uh, is, is tremendous form. And obviously we've got the Challenge Cup as well in the back pocket. So let's go back to where it all started. We um, The podcast as well as the season, um, and that was Friday the 20th of September, um, we were in the midst of a Rugby World Cup in Japan and the Premiership Rugby uh, Cup uh, got uh, moved to the start of the season and the first game, which Bristol were on BT Sport, was our, our match away at Harlequins and um, we, we actually lost that game 24 points to 12. I wouldn't say it was the strongest team that was, was out there. But from uh, that that start, certainly things built uh, quite rapidly. Boys, do you do you remember much of that first game? Let me come to you first, Pete. Yeah, I do, Tony. And, and one of the reasons I remember it is because I, I watched it on um, YouTube yesterday uh, on Bristol Bear, on Bears TV to remind myself because I knew you might ask us uh, about this. Yeah, it was um, it was it was a bit of a rusty game. Uh, Quinn's basically turned us over quite easily the pack were a bit 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 um underpowered i think but the, the big i suppose the big highlight of it was uh with the try we got so the first try of the whole season the first competitive try i should say um was a nice little sheedy cross kick and um uh, maybe slightly forgotten tom pincus scored with a, a great catch and, and touchdown but yeah it was it was very much a it felt a, a bit of a pre-season type game um, but but started with a, a nice try yeah so just uh, thinking about the premiership rugby club and we won't uh, deal too uh, too much on that um, we played two games at home against Gloucester and London Irish and we won both of those games uh, and then the fourth game was uh, down at Sandy Park where we took quite uh, a defeat so so let's move to October and certainly a game I'm sure that is etched in all Bristol uh, Bears fans' memories, and that was that magnificent night where near 27,000 people packed into Ashton Gate for the season opener, again live on the BT Sport cameras, uh, where we welcomed back Bath um, for the first game of the season. Again, we won 43 points to 16. Now, let me come to you, Miles. Um, what, are, what are your recollections of that night? Well, quite good. I watched I watched the highlights about half an hour ago. <laughs> just like beating a bit of research. And my good wife, the Duchess, said to me, was, was that when fans were in the stadium? And it nearly brought a tear to my eyes. I went, yes, it was. I mean, there were some fantastic tries. And, you know, the, the cheering from the crowds was amazing. There were some amazing performances. And I think we all agree, lads, to get one over Bath in such a such a manner was just brilliant to start the season 
Um, I think that's got to be my one of my favourite sort of uh, home games at Ashton Gate of the season, and what a win it was. And Miles, I can't remember, but there were certainly two of us, and it wasn't me that missed the first try because they were still <laughs> queuing for beer. Was that? Was, was um, well, it, it wasn't me, and I don't think it was UTC. No. So who, who does that leave? <laughs> yeah, I think that leaves. Well, Lee, can you remember that? Do, do you remember the cheer going up as you were uh, underneath the dolman queuing for uh, for some beer? I do remember it. I remember it well. It was Luke Luke Morhan, wasn't it? I think it was two, three minutes in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, obviously those queues. That, that I mean, that's the one thing we probably don't miss is the queuing up at Ashton Gate for the beers. Because um, I do think I probably went in and started queuing about half an hour before kickoff. So uh, to miss the first try was was a bit of a blow. But uh, you know, we the boys absolutely played fantastic on the night, didn't they? Um, and can can people remember that one handed p- uh, pick up from Dan Thomas? Oh yeah! Oh, beautiful, wasn't it? Beautiful. But I also think that was just part of a of, a, of almost it was con- contender try of the season right, right from the start, wasn't it? And it wasn't just yeah. the the one handed pickup was the was part of it, but it was actually when you go back and look at it again, it all it was all started by um, the King of Southmead himself, Joe Joyce, who, was, who yeah. pick, picked and ran, punched a hole. Piertau then picked up created the ruck and then uh, uh, Thomas was the one-handed pickup, sp- span it out it got out to Hughes didn't it and then right out to uh, the, the long and departed Matt Prothero who put on the afterburners and then popped it up for O'Connor wasn't it I mean it really was a That's fantastic right. sp- I mean, it was just a. It was. It almost sort of set the template, isn't it, about what the way that Bristol wanted to play rugby is: defend as best you can and then score points with the whole of the team getting involved. I mean, you started with a lock forward, went to a fullback, went to open side flanker, out to the number eight on the wing, to the fullback, to the centre. I mean, you can't. It's, it's total, total rugby, wasn't it? Uh, absolutely. And it I was. think that 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 ended up fourth, didn't it, for try of the year? Not not so, from the opening game. But I, I just want to, I, I, I mean, a couple of reflections from me. First off was um, just the complete surprise when the team was announced that this chap called Johan Lloyd uh, had made the subs bench in front of Ian Madigan. Um, and I don't think any of us saw that coming. Um, and then also the the tremendous night that was for him with Luke Morohan. Um, you know, he'd scored two tries, hadn't he? But um, mm-hmm. he, he, he could have had a hat trick against the old enemy, but uh, uh, just just flipped it out for Ewan Lloyd to score on his debut. And then I, didn't didn't they let him take the conversion as well? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've got to say, you know, we'd had such an incredible uh, night the year before when we we narrowly beat Bath. I, I was just going into that game thinking, oh, God, can, can we do it two years in a row? Can we really do this? But my word, the place was rocking, wasn't it? And uh, little did we know what was going to happen for the rugby season, let alone um, what was going to happen uh, right across the country in the months to come. So so that was October. Um, uh, we'd also um, uh, we had a, an away defeat at uh, Harlequins in the league. So um, it was going into November, we'd won one and lost one in the league. Now, the game that I've picked out in November um, 
I think there can only be one really, and that was uh, the game away at Exeter. Um, it was uh, Sunday the 10th of November. All the World Cup boys had uh, come back and uh, we went to Sandy Park in uh, in hope rather than maybe expectation. And, uh, well, let, let, let me come to uh, to you, Pete. Can uh, talk us through your memories of that game? Well, I think this was the first real example of something we've heard a lot of this season, uh, particularly latterly, is this whole thing about trusting the system and trust the process. Uh, and not not panicking and not not changing things when you when you're up against adversity and you know 17 nil down um, even in the even in the you know having competed quite well and in a and, you know defended very well but 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 being you know edged out by a very very good side and even kind of well into the second half not really looking like we were you could really believe we were going to win it. And then I think it was a it was a knock on, wasn't it? By a deliberate knock on uh, by uh, Nick White, their fl- their scrum off. He got carded, and actually, I seem to remember, and you may disagree with me on this one, but that was quite integral. And also the introduction of Jack Knoll, who had just come back from the World Cup, and I seem to remember him trying to showboat a little bit. And gay, I think he caught he gave away a little bit of possession, and we we then got into the game, scored that try and uh, and then obviously got right to the end and of course the, the big thing about that game was was the final the final rolling mall off the line out and, and not just beating Exeter almost at their own game but the fact that young Will Capon had come on with his cap on and it was his first literally his first thing he had to do was to hit one at the back of the line and uh, and he did and it, I mean it was just it was an unbelievable and I remember the commentary where Carl Dixon, I think, was refing, and and he'd given it as the on-field try, and and Lawrence Delalio on commentary is like saying, he's uh, he, he he can see the touchdown, he just he can see the grounding, he just doesn't know how it got there. <laughs> and we were yeah. like, well, well, I've got a good idea. There was about fifteen <laughs> Bristol players all piling forward, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, not only was that when Capon, the boy, became a man. I think it was the same for us fans. As fans, you know, we became men because we realised that Bristol could win games when they were down by trusting and believing in what was going on. And of course, you know, that's that's gone on in the season. So I, I really think it was the Bath game was a fantastic showcase for the Ashton Gate and a fantastic showcase. But that extra game almost in, in an ironic sort of way was maybe even more important as a statement for the rest of the season. Yeah. I, I, I'll tell you I, what, though. Yeah, go on, Lee. I was saying that the one thing that gets missed in that game, um, can everyone remember Lua Tua's cover and tackle on Alex Cuthbert? That, that was a game changer. Um, because if, if that try is scored, then the comeback is, is off. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also remember Ed Holmes screaming... Oh, we scored the winning try. You remember we was led on the floor and he was just fists raising the air. And I, I just, that, that was the two things that I remember clearly from that game. Uh, absolutely. And again, so many incredible memories this season, but that, that one so early on um, uh, was so important. Well, uh, in, in November, we had four competitive games, two in the league, two in the Challenge Cup, and all four were wins. Um, and then we moved into December. Now, the game I've picked here 
is uh, the game just before New Year. Um, I think it was Friday, December the 27th. Um, uh, we had, again, 23,000 plus packed into Ashton Gate uh, against Wasps. Um, and uh, unfortunately, we lost that game 21 26. Um, Miles, let me come to you. Uh, what, what's your recollections of that game? Uh, am I right in thinking that was our sort of Christmas showpiece game or Boxing Day or something to that effect? And and, and I think we'd all assume there were, you know, it'd be a big home game, big crowd against the Wasps. We certainly should get the win. The win. Um, but then, you know, it was we were devastated we? <laughs> in the last minute of the game when uh, he's moved on from Wasps now. Nazim Khan did a rather amazing run down the right wing. Uh, pushed off three rather poor tackles and you know heads in our hands and they just blooming well took the win um, which we were all devastated about I mean it was so close up to that point it, it could have gone either way and a slight mistake and a brilliant pick up by Nazim Kai just got a wasp to the game and who knows? They appear to now be our bogey team, lads, don't they? Well, I, I think. Well, be- to be fair, for years they've been our bogey team. Well, remember when <laughs> Neil had given us those stats about just how awful we've been against them, like historically? I mean, that of was course, shocking, yeah. wasn't it? And I think one thing we made a lot of talk about the, the later in the season, the weekend teams that we played against uh, Sale and Wasps. But for me, that potentially was the pivotal game of the season because mm-hmm. if we'd held out, you know, Harry Thacker scored that late try. I think Sheedy, surprisingly enough, hit the post, didn't he, with the conversion? And then we just edged ahead with the penalty towards the end. But if we'd held on, if we, we'd not let that, that try in, um, we would have finished second in the league and potentially... Uh, it would have been an Exeter Wasps semi-final and a Bristol Bath uh, semi-final. So who knows what might have happened? But uh, yeah, it uh, certainly was was it was a disappointing performance, I think. Um, but but fair play to Wasps. Uh, so during December we had that draw against London Irish. I don't know if you remember that one where there was uncontested yeah. scrums for uh, the game that it really, was a shocker, wasn't it? Really didn't do us any favour, uh, as well as a couple of wins against Stade Francais. So we move into January, and um, the game I particularly have picked out here is uh, the one on the 18th of January. It was our sixth and final game in the European Challenge Cup pool stage. We'd won all five games uh, against Zebra, Brive and Stade Francais to date. Um, and we knew if we won that game, we'd be guaranteed um, at least a top two finish uh, for the qualifying and a great route through to the final. Um, and Lee, let me come to you. Um, I think expectations were super high. We sent a strong team. Talk us through what happened. My overriding memory of this is that it was the, the actual pitch. It was absolute mud bath, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, the game was a bit of a, a shocker, to be perfectly honest. Um, am I right in saying Sheedy got sinbinned as well I, in that game? I can't oh, remember that. that. But you might be right. All I remember is it was one of those. What we went through that phase, didn't we, of watching those away games where there was no commentary, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, it, it was, yeah. and it was, and it was that made it even worse because all through that game, we we were kind of, you know, we 
we went 7-0 down, didn't we? Having had quite a lot of possession and territory. And then it just got, it was one of those ones where you just thought, are we ever going to, are we going to score here? And it went on and on and it was getting worse and worse. And we were dropping the ball and turning it over. And uh, it was, it was like, it was, it was like doubly like horrible to watch because there was no kind of atmosphere either, was it? And, uh, and then I think Randall scored uh, right at the end, didn't he? It, it was. It, it literally was the last play, wasn't it? And didn't they have they had Mayer sent off as well, didn't they? Yeah, and Mayer got sent off, well, so, I, I, I've just if had, I remember rightly. I've just had a cheeky look, and you're right. Sheedy did get a yellow card just before half-time uh, for a d- deliberate knock-on. God knows how I actually remembered that, but I mean, you, you you guys know how terrible my memory is, and for me to, to come out with that one, it was a. Uh, I'm going to well, give sure myself a little back, man. I'm sure Kalashini appreciates your memory there. <laughs> I, I've got a feeling it was for a deliberate knock-on as well. Yeah, I've got know. a feeling. Yeah, you just said that. You just said it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That, there we go. So, so, so that was the game. Just by the skin of our teeth, we were the second best in qualification, which meant that we'd have that home quarter-final and potentially a home semi-final uh, in the Challenge Cup. And we were all looking forward to that game, which I think was going to be, this was mid-January, um, was going to be around mid-March. But uh, uh, as well in January, we had uh, we had three other games. So in total, four games, which we won two, uh, drew one and lost one. Um, and then we moved into to February. Of course, the Six Nations had kicked in. Um, and a few players were uh, were, were missing, um, and we went off on our uh, on the road again, and this time to Northampton Saints, where we'd had uh, that that very memorable win the year before with Madigan kicking the penalty deep into injury time and I think Saints were down to was was it 11 men in the end I can't remember yeah, yeah. but uh, we were hoping that we could uh, repeat that at Franklin Gardens and Pete um, uh, another case of us giving a team a head start yeah, well, I go back to what I just said about the Exeter game is that that kind of set the template, the belief that we could do it. And this was almost a, a carbon copy in some ways that we were 14-0 down. Um, we'd come, I think early on, there'd been a nice little, Sheedy had done a nice little cross kick and Bowie of all people had been on the wing and nearly scored. And you're thinking, oh, you know, we're and then suddenly before we know it, um, you know, we're 14-0 down. Franklin's Gardens was was kind of heaving and you know it's a difficult place to go and play rugby at Heartland but I think if I remember rightly the big turning point was um, uh, Joycey nearly got decapitated didn't he by um, I think it was Hutchinson big high tackle yeah, he yeah. took his although to be fair to Joycey he got up and said you know normal Saturday night <laughs> Southmead and uh, and Hutchinson got got carded, and I think in those ten minutes we got right back into the game, didn't we? And um, and I think I remember that our two tries were both breakouts from the twenty-two. I think it was Piers O'Connor was one that then um, set up a ruck well into their twenty-two, and in fact it was Joycey on in the support who, who just popped a beautiful pass to Purdy on the run who did his little head down thing and scored and then I think Sheedy Sheedy had another breakout and it led to one of the greatest tries of the season wasn't it Tone I think I might leave that for someone else to describe no you crack on mate you crack on I I know who scored you know what I'm talking about don't you we do can I pick it up can I pick it up 
You pick it up, so go on. You can pick it up as well if you want. You can pick this up. All right, I'll finish on. So for those of you that all know what I'm talking about, it was our mate Lewis Steed, uh, who, who uh, literally had come on. Uh, I think he was, it was almost his first touch, and um, that was from that breakout. So Sheedy had broken out, given it to Uren. You know, Uren had done that little thing where he fell on the floor and he was like a little caterpillar. He went about another <laughs> 10 yards with his um, feet, and then from the sort of couple of phases after that, got close to the line... Old Lewis, he found himself, and as he said in his post-match interview, he even had to ask the ref if it was all right if he could pick it up. <laughs> and uh, everyone was just sort of waiting. I mean, even Northampton were waiting for him to do it, and uh, and he and he and he uh, popped it over the try line. And uh, I think then that conversion took us 2014, didn't it? And um, you know what? Uh, and, and his, I mean, his try was fantastic, but it was his interview afterwards, wasn't it? That was the uh, the big talking point. He was so natural and so he was so excited about mm. having scored because it was his first ever try it was his first ever premiership yeah. try mm. and he couldn't you could almost tell he, he couldn't quite believe he couldn't quite believe that he, he'd done it and he didn't you know he's a professional rugby pro i'm sure he you know he knows what he's doing but in that split second he had you could tell he, he said oh I, you know he had doubts in his mind you know it's such an important moment in the game if i pick this up am i going to get pinged or am i going to be a hero and uh you know he, he popped over and i think he he got a the love of many fans after that um, after that try. And we actually met him, didn't we? Uh, one of the home games afterwards, after one of the games, we had a little chat with him and he took a photo, didn't he, a selfie? And he was a thoroughly nice chap, despite a dreadful barnet that he had that day. So, um, you know, what? but going back to you, I mean, that was a big, I think that was a big game as well. It was another game where it kept our momentum going because we've got some, some momentum going. Because we, we, I think we'd, we'd, after that Irish game, we'd, we'd lost three Premier games in a row after that even though the those European games are in between mm. so it was actually a really important day and, and who knows whether that was something that that will go down as a pivotal point because it wasn't a great game I think we, we didn't play well generally but but ground out a win yeah one no, little caveat in that game as well Tony was that um Callum Sheedy had, had uh, gone past 500 points for Bristol as well during that game. Well, that great, great That's fact. Of course, research. it was, um, I think, um, the game before that was the home game at Gloucester. That's when, uh, against Gloucester, yeah. when we broke mm. that, that losing streak yeah. of three games. Yeah, it's true. Um, and, and we retained uh, the Rifles Cup. So in February, the only other game um, was uh, a home game, a narrow win, 13 yeah. points to 10 over. Worcester Warriors, another bogey team that uh, we managed to to put away. So that moved us into March again. Six Nations still going on, but this thing called COVID nineteen all of a sudden was taking over the news headlines. Uh, two games um, at the start of the month, uh, and the one we're going to pick on um, is that very memorable 13 points to 19 win against the old enemy down the A4 Bath rugby uh, and and let me come to you Miles um your 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 recollection of that game oh i mean it was just a fantastic win i mean we obviously you know absolutely smashed him at home but you know where at the wreck on that terrible ground we obviously didn't quite know what to expect um but i, I think it was just another a convincing win. I mean, I didn't think at any point we looked like losing. We, we dominated most of the time. Some amazing tries. Another little crossfield kick, if I remember, by Sheedy and, and caught by um, uh, Alapati or, or Peter. I can't quite remember. Get a try. Alapati Leo, wasn't it? It seemed like such an easy and such clinical kick and, 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 and run by him. 
uh, and that was amazing. I think that then showed to, to them do the double on our, our, our enemies down the A4 was just amazing. I think we put away quite a few beers on that evening. Uh, I, do you know I, what that, that that game actually for me that was one of my favourite games of the season. Not because it was it was just Bath and it was away, but for me the defence in that game was awesome. Like they did not stop, did they? And you know it was it was such a, a brilliant defensive effort throughout mm. the whole squad. And we had ten players in that game that had double figures in tackles. That's just crazy, isn't it? Just nuts. Absolutely. And to me, the one real memory from that is um, Joycey leading the Blackbird yeah. out on the pitch oh, at yeah. the red. On the pitch. Um, <laughs> how good was that? So, um, Do you know why that is, Tone? Do you know why that is? Because you can't actually fit any more than 15 <laughs> people in the bath um, changing room. So you couldn't well, actually you, get you like, all the stuff. Pete. Well, I would know, actually. I said, uh, I, for once, I'm going to actually use uh, some knowledge that I have, even though I've been like slagged off. But I've actually been in the away changing room, and it is literally worse than a sort of comprehensive school boys' changing room. Uh, it's as small as, like, you know, you, it, is, it was, it's, it's awful. And you couldn't fit more than... You could just fit a team and sub. So you couldn't have all of the, like, the staff and the coaches and all that in at the same time. So I think they might have done it in the changing room, but they realised just before they were going to go in, I think Joycey realised, lads, no, let's not go there. Let's do it on the pitch, because then we can get everybody else involved. <laughs> so there you go. It was a, it was a beautiful finger watch wasn't it was absolutely to get that uh, get that double over bath um and then the week after um there was the 28-15 victory over harlequins at ashton gate that meant five league games in the row uh that we'd won and um by then things were looking um uh, very dodgy with COVID-19 and it seemed almost inevitable that the season was going to be paused for a few weeks um, but I don't think any of us uh, thought that uh, we'd have to wait until August um, for the season to restart. And uh, once again, as uh, Bristol were first uh, television coverage when the Premiership Rugby Cup started in September 2019, we were first rugby coverage when the league started in October 2019. And guess what? For the restart against Saracens, Bristol had the first BT Sports TV coverage. Um, and quite an incredible game there at to see Ashton Gate bizarrely empty um, for us to take on Saracens. Now, I think there was a lot of doubt in everybody's mind how teams were going to cope or how they had coped with the lockdown. Let me come to you, Lee. Um, how were you feeling about seeing rugby back on and particularly, you know, us having to take on the, at the time, the reigning European and Premiership champion Saracens? My my um, emotions were totally mixed, to be honest, because it, it it was great to be able to see rugby again. It was great they were back, but not to be able to watch it live was um, was really tough to deal with. I think, and that that game again, it was such a strong defensive performance, wasn't it? Because I think Sarri's had um, Farrell and. Elliot Daly out, if I remember rightly. But apart from that, it was a full-strength uh, squad, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and I, I know we might talk about Matthew Corley later on, um, but actually this this was the game where he actually gave us the um, the penalty try, didn't he? Four minutes from time, uh, when Jamie George had come in from the side, um, friend of the friend of the pod, Jamie George. <laughs> Jamie, yeah, <laughs> and um, and. The one thing I remember clearly about this game as well, can you remember Earl nearly scored with his um, his first touch? Yep. Um, yeah, and the the other thing is um, I can remember Lukey, um, Mr. Mr. Wizard himself, completely icing Sean Maitland as well on the wing. Um, you remember that? And it would have been a fantastic and try, a, but Packer was adjudged with Block uh, yeah. Atoji. Hang on, didn't he, he didn't he cut inside? He went didn't yeah. he just go through virtually the whole of the Saracens yeah. um, team? Yeah. 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 And then yeah, and then absolutely. yeah, I mean fifteen stone judo black belt, um, Maro wasn't it that it was the kind of the start of the Max Laheef social media train, wasn't it? Because he did that it little was. Um, video. Yeah. Was it before or after the game, Tony? You, you're on top of it all. Uh, so was it before the game? I'm trying to remember. I think that might have been just before. I'm not absolutely before. sure. But what, what how funny four minutes that was when he went, took people into the new high performance centre. But he, but he did have a go at the, he said to the, he, he did pop, have a pop at um, the Saracens boys, Sorry, didn't he, saying, oh, he's on yeah. his WhatsApp, on their WhatsApp group, you know, to their mates. So I think it was before the game. Yeah. But, um, yeah. The, the enemies from within, so. That's it, yeah, it was yeah. something like that. Yeah. That, that, that. That was August. Um, we, of course, also had then that wonderful um, opening 20 minutes at Gloucester where Semi Ranrandra, who made his debut, let's not forget, against Saracens, but was very quiet, exploded onto the scene in that first 20 minutes as uh, we, we literally blew Gloucester away but then let them come come back in a little bit um, we then had the, the game against Exeter Chiefs that Tuesday night game where the Chiefs sent largely a second string uh, and we just lost at the death there 22-25 um, uh, and then uh, probably one of the more disappointing results of the season again when we sent a second string team up to uh, to Manchester and uh, Sale Sharks won 40 points to 7 um, so that was August we move into September we had 6 games in September I'm sure everybody remembers they came thick and fast so many really memorable games to pick from but the one I am going to choose is the uh, Friday, September the 25th, the European Challenge Cup semi-final against Bordeaux. Um, and let me come to you, Pete, for your your memories on that game. Um, well, I think they're a little bit hazy. <laughs> Actually, don't because <laughs> I've got a few. Actually, I can't remember. Was that the one where I had a few beers? I oh, no, I didn't actually. No, I'm sorry. That was um, that was the final. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, um, hang, hang on a minute. No. This, this is the one. Was this the one where you were in the car going down to Devon? No, no, that was the uh, no. The, the one that was in the car. That was the no. That was um, the dragons. That was the one where I was in the car and I got a call from Radio Bristol <laughs> saying there's only chance we could have a chat. And I said, well, I might just make it. 
Uh, we're, I'm listening to it on the radio, on Radio Bristol, of course. And for the and and they, in the end, I think they tried to get hold of you guys, and for some reason couldn't. So uh, about just after the game, I was listening to the radio to Jeff Twentyman. The phone goes; it's Jeff's producer Ian going, and I get Jules to the missus to answer the phone while I'm driving, and he's like, "I oh, know, I'm sorry about this. Is there any chance Pete could have a word?" <laughs> so I had to pull into a layby, and I uh, I talked to Jeff, and then he took the Mickey out of me for the most of the game because he realised I hadn't actually watched it. So um, anyway, well, I only listened. <laughs> yeah. the anyway, the point game. is, Bordeaux. What well, I mean, that was just drama. Uh, I mean, if you wouldn't, if you were going to write a, a, a rugby drama script, it would have been that, wouldn't it? Um, we looked like, you know, we were we were out muscled in the first half of the breakdown, weren't we? And then second half, we came out. We trusted the system. We started playing, and credit to Bordeaux. Went down to fourteen men, didn't they? And they 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 actually saw it to a to the end to a to get up to twenty all. And then sadly for them, I guess if you're a Bordeaux fan, uh, you'd be upset. You know, crumbled a little bit in extra time. But I mean, everything that everything you wanted from a knockout game of rugby, apart from not being able to go there and watch it. Um, so, but what I mean, we, that will go down in history, won't it? Because it was a history making game. Uh, first time we'd won a semi-final in Europe or in anything, and apart from uh, in Europe, obviously to send us to a European final. So, absolutely and fantastic Lee, night. Lee, your thoughts because um, Bordeaux was certainly dominant again. A, a bit of a theme when we we've struggled maybe against some of the stronger teams. We gave them a head start as well. I can't remember now what it was. Was it ten? 10-0 they were up um, yeah and yeah. Uh, the, the young fly half uh, Jalbert um, was, was absolutely running the show wasn't he he was and I'll be honest with you I think we did we rode our luck at times during that game um, him coming off was was massive because uh, I think it was what just early in the second half um, and up to that point, he was really dictating the play and running the show. Um, and also, they they did have a, a couple of injuries, didn't they? And I mean, like, Bordeaux were one of the, the one of the best sides that I've seen um, play Bristol this season. And I think that game it, it was like Pete said, absolutely the script was written for us. Um, but that was a really really tough game. And then obviously the extra twenty minutes. Um, you know, I, I was starting to worry then because we we still had, if I remember rightly, two games to play that week. We had Tigers, didn't we? And I can't remember it was after that. Um, That's right. On the Wednesday after we played Leicester. Um, so, yeah, we had six yeah. games, in fact, in September. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just looking. We, we, won, um, we won five and lost one. Um, but the the points we scored. Just wait to hear this. So the five games we scored thirty six points against Worcester away. Uh, we then put forty seven points uh, on Northampton Saints at home, and there was that fabulous Piers O'Connor try, um, literally from our own five metre line um, uh, and round the length of the pitch. We then sent that second string to Wasps, um, lost 59 points to 35, but still managed to score five tries at the Rico. 
Um, there was the quarterfinal game against the Dragons. We won that 56-17, again, having given away a, a, an early start. The Bordeaux game after extra time was 37 points to 20. Uh, and then we finished off September with that league victory against Leicester Tigers, which was 40 points to three. So in those six games, we scored 36, 47, 35, 56, 37 and 40 points. Uh quite a month and then that's value for money (laughs) absolutely absolutely and then that led us into october now obviously the game that will be forever in our hearts and in our memories will be that that fabulous night on the 16th of october when we beat toulon in the european challenge cup final but because we spoke about that last week um the game i've picked out for us to discuss um, uh, for that final month of the season and what a glorious season it's been is the last league game of the season which was away at London Irish when we knew that we had to win and take a bonus point to be in with a chance as we thought at that time um, of getting into the uh, premiership's uh, playoffs and the semi-final uh, and Miles let me come to you um, what can you remember from from that game well yeah I mean that was a, that was an absolute must win game um, I, I mean, can only commend the Pat and the lads because we knew that five points was the only, the only, only odd result that we needed um, and by Joe did we go there and get that they're a tough side Irish they proved that earlier in the season um, but they'd struggled massively, haven't they, since lockdown? And maybe that's the fact that they've been kicked out of their stadium. But we went there, put loads of points on them, and fair play to the boys. A fantastic win, some amazing running tries, and it did look, make Irish look a little bit weak. But from if my memory serves me right, we were what we were three tries up before half time. Um, Max Mallins then was about to seal the bonus point um, over the try line, um, and then decides to uh, move the ball from one hand to another, uh, and it flips out of his hand, and um, we miss out on that bonus point try before half time, and then. I think we we toiled a bit, if my memory's right, Lee. Can you remember? It was about yeah. It was about yeah. We did thirty minutes uh, in before we scored um, two two so. late tries. Yeah, it was it was starting to get a bit of squeaky bum time, to be honest. And um, I mean, if I remember rightly, that was the game you came here, Pete, didn't you, to watch it? Yeah. And and we were we were panicking a bit, and then obviously the the best bit was right at the end because we'd already written off the the Bath result because they were miles ahead of Sarri's and then it just came up on the the bottom of the screen that Sarri's had scored and it was 17 all and we were like oh my goodness and it was just that that kind of five minute period was fantastic but you were right absolutely we toiled um, all the way through that second half Saracens could have done that a bit earlier, couldn't they? So that we didn't have to stress out so much yeah. about worrying they about the bonus point. Yeah, they, they couldn't help us out, did they? Yeah, it has happened. Everything, though, isn't it? It's exactly what we, you know, now in hindsight, we can look back and think it was great, but obviously yeah. at the time it wasn't. So it was great. And, and yeah, Hassel Collins sort of lovely try against us. Yeah. Yeah. A, a bit of a squeaky bum moment for certainly, uh, certainly a part of the game. 
Can I just check one thing, though, um, Miles? I, I did enjoy your analysis there, but did you use the phrase by Jove? Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't think I've heard that since um, Dad's Army stopped showing on BBC One. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, well, uh, well, we'll find out when we record that, but maybe it's because I've moved to sort of posher parts of the country yeah, down in Devon that I've used that phrase. Yeah, there we are. So, so it, it was an amazing October. We had that 7.36 away win at London Irish. Obviously, the disappointment of the Gallagher Premiership semi-final, where we went down 47 points to 24 to a far superior Wasps team. We then, uh, you know, turned it around within a week um, to, to win the European Challenge Cup 32-19. What a wonderful um, uh, evening that is that will live with us forever and then of course we had all that doubt right up until uh, Wednesday of whether we would be playing in the Gallagher Premiership final Wasps had a few COVID-19 tests thankfully they were able to play um, it was a hard fought game yesterday but uh, let me also say congratulations to uh, the Exeter Chiefs for, for winning the Gallagher Premiership um, uh, I think by far the best team over the course of the season and of course uh, and now have done a double and as I pointed out on our Twitter feed uh, what a year for South West Rugby with uh, Exeter first Bristol third and Bath fourth in the Premiership um, Exeter winning the Champions Cup and Bristol the Challenge Cup so we've really kept it in the West Country this year um, Gloucester also took part. Um, <laughs> did they really, Tony? Did they? They, they did. <laughs> uh, right, let us uh, move on then. Hello, this is Brian Moore. This is for Bears Beyond the Gate. Listen to it because it's for you, true Bristol fans. Get it. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about um, was uh, the players, some of the players that have left because when uh, when we actually in lockdown got to um, uh, the, the end of June, of course, contracts were up. Uh, and I just want to talk about some of the players that departed and uh, get your guys' thoughts around this. And, and one that um, I think, let's let's go to you, Pete, because you, you've mentioned him. Um, Matt Prothero, um, certainly this maybe was the main one that really surprised me that um, we let him go um, because I still think he's a wonderful player. Yeah, and I, I and the reason I've been I, I started watching some of the um, videos earlier on in the week, you know, in preparation for tonight, and some of those early games, I I haven't forgotten, but it just reminded me how good he, what, how much gas he had, and how good he was at exploiting little spaces, and I just think I don't know, I just I don't know, obviously the reason, but I just wonder why. It was felt it was surplus to requirements. And now when you think that we've got Charles Piertai out until at least January, we've got Max Mallins potentially off with England, Yoan um, Lloyd potentially off with Wales, we, it just starts to make us look like we're, we're lacking a little bit of that real pizzazz, that real sort of gas off the off a standing start. And um, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I mean, clearly Pat, you know, didn't think he was part of the future plans. And... Um, uh, maybe he thought he was too small or too spindly. 
Um, but then, you know, we've got small players in the squad and they seem to do all right. So I just think it, it was at the time, I always felt it was seemed like a, uh, a strange one. And I think, you know, we do, we will miss him next season, maybe, unless we get someone else in. And I know potentially he might have wanted to go back to, to, to Wales. And, but I, I wonder whether he only felt like that when he felt he wasn't wanted at Bristol. So difficult one. But, but I do feel that that was one that got away. Um, Lee, let me come to you. I know a player that um, uh, over his eight seasons at, at Bristol Bears, you always enjoyed seeing play, uh, and that's Ryan Edwards. Um, yeah. Did Did you think Ryan should uh, should have still been in the squad, or you know, as Pat is building, uh, was it time for him? Well, clearly, time for him to move on. But how did you feel as a fan? Yeah, I mean, we we were lucky. We were privileged to watch Edwards for for those eight years, and I mean, some of the tries that he scored. I mean, obviously, we were just saying then that Provs had you know he was completely rapid, but Edwards, you know, was um, was almost just as fast. Um, and the one the, I can't remember who we were playing, but the one try that does stand out was literally when he went round the outside um, and just absolutely mullered the opposition um, to touch down and yeah I think sadly it probably was probably time for him to go but um, it was definitely sad to, to see him leave for sure and, and Miles, one one for you. Um, I think nobody really could have seen um, maybe his demise as far as playing time was concerned. But obviously, Ian Madigan left the club um, and, and and struggled even to to get into the match day twenty three as backup fly half. Your your thoughts on on Madigan? Yeah, I mean, he was. I think I think we'd all agree, lads. He was one of our favourite players, both on and off the pitch, wasn't he? You know, a follower of the pod and hugely popular fans uh, and he saved our bacon at the last kick of the game in many a game so but I think you know we felt that people were coming through like Lloyd etc and he was just a bit out, out of favour with Pat we, we couldn't quite understand could we beginning of the season and you know we were gutted to see him go he's obviously now gone over to Ulster and he's I think he's playing really well for them but you know, he was. He came with a high price tag, didn't we? As we all know, and we thought that it might pave the way for a, a couple of more slightly cheaper players. But we loved him, and you know, it, it's obviously time was up. But we, we thank him for all his time with Bristol Bears. Absolutely, and still someone that follow us, follows us on, on Twitter. So, Mads, all, all, all the best with Ulster. Of course, we had a few people uh, retire: Ali Muldowney, uh, Tom Lindsay. Jordan Crane and, and very sadly Will Hurrell forced to retire after that injury uh, against Leicester Tigers. Um, but let me let me come to to you, Lee. Um, someone that I thought maybe uh, he was signed as cover, but I thought he he might have done enough to maybe earn another year year's contract was Luke Hamilton. Um, mm. Your your thoughts about Luke? Yeah, that's a great shout, Tony. Because I mean, I thought he was Mister Consistent when he was with us. He never let us down, did he? And I, I think that that must have been really cl- a really close call for Pat to make, I think, um, with Hamilton. And he was desperately unlucky. Um, and, yeah, again, sad to see him go. I think he, he probably, he definitely deserved to earn another contract, maybe a year's contract or two. But um, we were all quite pleased, weren't we, when he, when he finally signed for um, this, this some French team now that he's playing for. So, um, 
Uh, absolutely. Uh, and, and maybe the final one, unless you boys have got anybody else you want to talk about, I'd come to Pete. Um, again, we alluded to it a bit earlier, but uh, Lewis Steed's departure. Um, yeah, yeah, similar similar kind of thoughts with, um, you know, that I had with Prothero. And it's easy in hindsight, I must admit. But now that we, <laughs> we, we kind of look in a bit... <laughs> Are we looking a bit thin in the front row? We're relying on Big Jake and Big John Afoa next season and um, Jake Armstrong still injured and Max Laheef, you know, obviously he's been fantastic this season when he's played, but, you know, he's a bit injured. I do, again, wonder that he's a, it was a shame that he went because he, you know, he, he seemed like the, the perfect sort of guy for, for the for the club, didn't he? Uh, you know, he was a team bloke. He was nice. He was, he was, he was a good lad and he was, he was a good player as well. But, um, so I think he, he, you know, he's a, it's a real shame that he went. But hopefully, the experience he had with with Bristol will, will hold him in good stead for the rest of his career because he's definitely a guy that deserves to 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 do well and carry on. Absolutely. Just just a, a few more names, just just to talk about, to uh, just for for old times' sake. That uh, that also left Nick Sturzaker, the uh, number nine, that never really quite lived up to the billing um, when he first arrived. Of course, Sean Moulton, um, uh, who at the the start of the season was was certainly pushing Thacker for the the number two spot, but may maybe faded away a little bit. James and Jordan Lay, um, they they both left. Um, one person I think was particularly unlucky with injuries was Luke Daniels. Um, we saw glimpses of, of what he could do, but uh, unfortunately, two two quite big injuries uh, over the last couple of seasons really curtailed his opportunities. And of course, then Joe Batley, who went to uh, went on loan to Leicester, and I believe now is is up at Worcester. So um, thank you to all those players for the contribution that they played uh, towards this season, and we wish them all the well. Uh, for for their future playing career. Um, You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout and many more platforms. If you like what you hear, please leave a review or rating for the show. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're Bears Beyond Gate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Well, those were the the 19 players that uh, that left of course uh, we had some big names that came in seven that came in uh, in the summer so were available for us after we came out of lockdown uh, those seven are semi uh, ranranja Carl Sinclair uh, Chris Cook Mitch Edi Benel Max Mallins and uh, uh, Ratu Nualago, who is yet to come, um, still currently finishing the season in rugby league with Hull FC. Um, uh, I mean, Malins, Earl, Sinclair, and Ran Randra. You know, I think I think they speak for themselves. The performances and what they've they've added to to this team uh, and uh, our our ability to put out uh, a really competitive twenty three man squad. But but maybe a couple of the signings that came in that I want to just pick up on um, are, are Chris Cook and Mitch Eady. So so Pete, let me come to you because I always know you you like to um, keep a close eye on the um, on the scrum halves. Um, your, your thoughts around Chris Cook? Well, he had a bit of a nightmare, didn't he? <laughs> on his first game. I think within about, well, Miles went on about it, didn't he, in that podcast. 
pretty much destroyed his uh, reputation. In a, um, but um, yeah, I mean, he had a, it was a charge down, wasn't it? His first thing he did, he charged down. They scored, um, and yeah, it was it was the it was the what was it the wasps? I can't remember what game wasps. it was now. It was the wasps, it was the wasps yeah. game, yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, I felt a bit sorry for him. He's, he's clearly a he is a good player. He's experienced. He had a lot of time, but you know, we did. After that game, I, I imagine he, he had to go back and have a have a bit of a cold bath and sit in a quiet in a darkened room for a while and have a little think about things. Um, and not so he's played since, has he? No, he hasn't. I mean, I, and, I, and he didn't get on the bench the other week when they put Kessel on the bench, didn't they? For the uh, yeah, for yeah. the final, wasn't it? Yeah. So Kessel was on was. the bench for the final, which it. I mean, I, you know, it makes me wonder whether he's uh, he's got to do a bit of work over over the the um, very short uh, holiday to to get himself back in. Pat's, um, I, I imagine Chris Cook will be telling his missus that he's got to leave for work a little bit earlier and come back a bit later and be the first on the training pitch and last off it. Because um, I do wonder whether Pat, you know, it has these moments with players that if they don't quite do the right thing um, you know I imagine he's quite a ruthless operator mm-hmm. and you know we, we have yeah so Chris Cook so yeah what the yeah bit of a not sure he's uh, he's in the balance isn't he at the moment okay and let me come to you Lee um, because I know one of your your favourite uh, players and as a Bristolian uh, like him Mitch Eady um, I think we had uh, quite high expectations that we'd see Mitch in and around the match day 23 um, uh, we haven't seen a great deal of him uh, your thoughts on that yeah disappointed Tone um because like like we said, we, we really did think that he would play a lot more um games this season. Um I'm not quite sure really what's what's been happening on the training field, but um I mean obviously now it's a lot harder for Mitch to get back in because I mean we've got you know, we've got great players in those positions now. Um but yeah, it's very um very disappointing that Mitch hasn't hasn't really kind of broken in, broken into that first thing this season hopefully next season you know he'll, he'll train on and, and next season will be different for him but uh, he's had a couple of years now really hasn't he with Saints he, he didn't play a, a huge amount as well um, and I think he really needs to to get back into it for next season. It'll be a big season for him. Yo, what's up? It's John Afford here and you're listening to Beers Beyond the Gate. Well, let's look ahead because we did earlier, uh, or last week, rather early last week, we had a statement come out from the club um, to talk about some of the injuries. Um, and um, I, I'll just run through this list and then maybe come to you guys to see if you think we do need to to strengthen a little bit for the, the restart of the season in November. Um, uh, Charles Piertau likely to be out until the end of January um, with the Achilles problem that he's got. Uh, Andy Uren and Sami Ranrandra uh, both out were to the end of November. They're expected back. Uh, Nathan Hughes did a rib um, uh, against Wasps uh, and they've used this opportunity now while while that's healing for him to have a minor up on his knee. Um, he's been assessed week by week. They didn't they didn't give any kind of clue about when he might might be back. 
Um, we did find out Harry Ashell as well. Um, really unfortunate, nasty injury. He's going to be out till June uh, 21. But uh, the bit of good news was uh, Henry Purdy uh, and Will Capon will be back um, for the start of the season. Um, one one that was missing there was Jake Armstrong. Um, we didn't really get much of an update around his fitness. Um, and uh, I, I think he could be very important if he's fit um, uh, to to bolster that uh, tight head position. If he's not going to be fit, then I think that 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 maybe is an area we will need to strengthen. So uh, I mean that 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 would be my first call. Um, you know, do we need to look at another tight head? Because Sinclair's going to be away with England. John Afoa, bless him, um, you know, is is not a spring chicken anymore. Um, we've seen Max Laheef come in, but he's he's been unfortunate with a couple of concussions uh, and that calf injury he picked up. Uh, Jan Thomas has done a job moving across, but I, I do think we we are probably a couple of props short uh, of where we want to where we want to be at the moment. Um, uh, Pete, your your thoughts on that front row situation? Well, I agree with you. To be honest, Tony, I, I agree with you. I, I, it is a, it is a little bit worrying. Did you mention Max Lahif then? I can't remember if you um, yeah, you know he, he must be coming back from injury because I actually saw him about a week or two ago walking through Wapping Wharf and he didn't look like he was that injured. He, he had he. he well, I, I thought it was a spring in his spring in his step rather than a limp. So um, uh, hopefully he'll be he'll be fit and raring to go. I mean, the trouble is it's it's one of those areas, isn't it, the front row because it's such a difficult place to play and so much pressure, uh, but so important as well. Um, and we've you know we've had a great season really uh, with the the pack. Uh, they've been one of our real. You know, solid performance performers and I just don't want to I agree with you I'm a bit worried that we don't want to start the season feeling we're a bit underpowered because you know it, the pack is so important to to get it's not just about throwing it around in the backs um so but you know Pat's Pat's obviously he's a man with a plan he'll you know maybe if we have to bring people in we have to bring people in and I'm sure um Nicky Thomas will be waiting for the call (laughs) of course we had the guy from Cardiff that um the young guy from Cardiff I think he picked up an injury didn't he was that was that the the Wasps leader um and um the chap from uh from Ireland um again I wouldn't say either particularly impressed whether they'll they'll get their contracts extended a little little bit or not but uh, we certainly do need a bit of cover there Lee let me come to you um, we touched on this last week when we thought it was just uh, and Lloyd and um, Callum Sheedy being called up for Wales leaving us a bit short at fly half um, and then of course Max Mallins gets invited into the England training squad um, are, are we looking at needing to bring in a number 10? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Tone, because <laughs> last week's pod, I got, that, I got that completely wrong, didn't I? That was me saying, no, I, feel, I think it's fine now. I don't think Malins will be uh, looked at for England. Um, but obviously, it does create a, a huge problem for us, I think, um, at fly half um, or fullback, because obviously with Charles being out injured, um, and that's, that's one thing, I mean, you know, we... With Charles, we always seem to get these injuries with him, don't we? Um, but if yeah, if Malins is is with England, um, 
I think we're going to be we're we're going to need to do something there as well. And I do agree with you boys as well in the in the front row. I think yeah, we could be looking thin on both those angles. Um, yeah, I, I one thing I did want to say though is Nathan's rib was it barbecue or salt and chili? Do you think? <laughs> oh, hey. Oh, hey, there we go. I, I I think one of the things with Max Malins though, when you think um, you know Exeter and Wasps, uh, nobody had been called up to the team, and from what I heard after the debacle that was the Barbarians game being called off because. Um, everybody decided to go out for a midweek meal um, uh, and break the bubble. Um, there was talk that, that Max Malins would go to uh, and play for the Bar Bars, wasn't they? Um, so, yeah, yeah. you know, if he wasn't going to make the 23 for the, um, the game against the Barbarians, hopefully... And I, I know it was very selfish for us, um, and, and not not for Max. But um, you know, maybe he will be released by England for these autumn internationals. Um, you've got to think, you know, Simmons at Exeter uh, and the young fly half at Wasps, uh, possibly at that fly half position uh, are, are in front of him. Would he go in as cover at fullback? Maybe, but uh, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that, that Max actually might have a, a few weeks off. Um, I mean, we're, we're going to get our, our backup is our, our friend Tiffy, and his drastic haircut, isn't he? So, so I think we do hope that he's part of our flat house gets released from his neck. That's right, Davros. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was the most sense he's spoken all night. Yeah. Leave, Tony, leave that one in, mate. Leave that one in. Oh, we'll leave that one in for for those, those people that, that that couldn't speak uh, the particular language that, that Miles were, was speaking. Then I think he said that Tiff Eden is is our uh, the, the one number ten that we know uh, will definitely be here. So um, thank thanks for that contribution, Miles. Um, there we Welcome. go. You, you 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 they may have European champions in uh, in Devon, but they've they've got very little. Um, uh, Wi-Fi coverage. Um, right, so let, let, let's move on. And I just quickly want to talk about, I mean, it's been a wonderful season for us. I mean, we started the podcast in September um, and, you know, who knew then that we were going to have this 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 wonderful set of results uh, and ultimately ended up winning a European trophy. But it's not all been about um, what's happened on the pitch. Guys, I just wanted to come round to you and maybe if you could spend, you know, give me, give me something maybe um, from off the pitch uh, that has made this season memorable for you. And let, let, let me come to let me come to you first, Lee. Um, what, what are some of the things that have, have stuck in your memory? Well, I have to admit, I think like the European flavour has definitely added something to um, to our rugby interest this season, hasn't it? Um, and if I had to just choose one, because I know we'll, you'll go around the table, um, I'm going to say it was meeting um, Remy and the Stad boys um, and girls because I just thought that was, you know, a fantastic historical club. It was fantastic that we were playing them. Um, and it was just great to meet them all after the game, wasn't it? And, um, and to swap swap hats and, and scarves and things. And it was exactly what typifies what rugby should be, the rugby family, you know, brilliant. It, it was just just to add to that. Remember as well, we 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 bumped into that Spanish team. I forget which game it was. They they were on tour, and uh, it was after the game. And um, 
we, we end, there must have been about 40 of them as well and we ended up having a sing song and I think half the dolmen joined in on their way out um, and you're right we, we, we've met some wonderful people um, uh, because of the podcast um, people like Binzi as well remember his early interview yeah. as a fan um, uh, yeah so so that, that, that's been something for me um, Pete what about you what, what's the kind of things that have uh, stood out for you um, I think that, uh, well, when, as you said, when we started this whole podcast, one of the things that inspired us before the, that season started is that, remember, we went down to Ashton Gate in the August, I think, before the season and to that Radio Bristol Q&A thing. Mm. Um, it was like a forum, Jeff Twentyman hosting, Pat Lamb, Stuart Hooper, um, uh, the bloke from Bristol City Chief Executive and it was a, a sort of fan based thing and uh, that was the gun you then on the way down to that you you um, aired this idea of a podcast and that was kind of when it started little did we know that then the following December the 2nd because it's in my mind we got invited on Jeff Twentyman's show the scrum on the Tuesday night and I think we all agreed that that was one of the best nights of our life wasn't it that you know we'd started this podcast and you know it got a bit of traction a few fans got involved and, and, and then Jeff Twentyman invited us on to talk about why we'd done it and, and all that sort of thing and, and I'm sure you all remember that day uh, when we all we all kind of went into the BBC studios and we weren't quite sure what the hell was going to happen and we were all sat there and this pro in front of us, Jeff the, you know, the nicest man we've ever met just sort of chatting to us and we're looking at the clock thinking, surely it's about to start <laughs> and he's like pressing a few buttons and asking <laughs> us a load of stuff and then literally just like an absolute pro he is straight into it Okay, podcasts are very much part of the 21st century. Bristol Rugby have an excellent pod. Uh, It's called Bears Beyond the Gate. It's made by fans for the fans. It's contemporaneous. It offers opinion. It's humorous. It's enlightening. Amongst the entertainment, of course, the guys behind the mics, not afraid to hold the club to account, which is also a part of its attraction. I'm delighted. The quartet behind this, Tony Cox, Lee Andrews, Pete Brearley and Miles Clark are live on the scrum. Lads, thanks for coming in and um yeah i mean that was that was that was a fantastic um sort of uh, event and of course since then we've become quite um well well we've become relative regulars on uh, on some of his shows and uh, always getting rung up here and there some of us for uh, for little comments and i think just unbelievable when you sort of think where we've come from and so that that you know and because Fundamentally, we just like chatting about rugby, don't we? And we've kind of converted our social chatting into something else uh, that other people seem to enjoy. And I think you know what what that's that's been one of the big standouts. Um, so uh, long may it continue, Tony. Thank, thank you, Peter. I mean, it's quite interesting. You said that was I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed going in on the scrum, but I don't know if I describe it as one of the best days of my life. <laughs> That was another topic for conversation midweek, yeah, but we, we won't go into that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and Miles, ho- hopefully you're, you're, you're standing in a, a Wi-Fi zone now. Um, uh, tell us, I, I think one of the, the firsts um, for, I, I mean, I didn't go on the trip, but uh, that trip to Leicester, um, I think there were one or two tales to uh, tell from that one. 
Oh, well, I mean, you're right. There weren't many away trips this season, were there? But I think, you know, me, Lee and Pete, that, that was one of our favourites. We uh, we took the little recording device, didn't we? Um, we recorded from the minute we left Bristol to the minute we got home. I must say a bit worse for wear. And it, sadly, we lost at the, the Welford Road. But, I mean, there was an amazing rugby stadium, proper rugby ground. We were in awe at the uh, number of shirts that were for sale in that club yeah. shop. And the discount. In fact, Lee even bought, bought a Leicester Tigers hat, I seem to remember. I now. did, yeah. He did, good lad. So supporting, supporting Leicester there. And, and, and lo and behold, we were on our supporters club on the way back, chatting to Katie Parker, which was great. Um, getting, getting a few tinnies after the game and then I'll probably leave it to my good friend Lee to describe the incident known as Ke- Kebabgate about his, his, best, his bestie or, or maybe his, his, his enemy now is our friend Nathan Hughes Hi I'm Nathan Hughes you're listening to Beers Beyond the Gate It was classic wasn't it because um, how, how many lanes of traffic was it four or five <laughs> outside the stadium and uh and Big Naif has, has just played 80 minutes. <laughs> he's he's just absolutely, you know, playing chicken inside and out of the cars going past. Uh, and to get to the kebab shop and and, um, and obviously sorted out all the all the boys because he had a, you know, I think it was two carrier bags full of food, um, which he did say that he was sharing between obviously um, the Piatau brothers and Alapate in in. Uh, Big John as well, I think, was there, but uh, yeah, that was that was a brilliant moment. I mean, it was um, it was rugby wise, it, it wasn't our best day at the office, but that certainly made up for it after. It's like we said, it was it was the uh, it was the the most yards that Nathan Heath made that day. And and it was just the fact that he was dressed, he was still dressed in his like. His, his kind of pee kit. <laughs> it was like yeah. a teenager. Just he hadn't bothered getting into his suit and tie or anything. He just he'd obviously sat in the changing room, got into his training kit, and he was just obviously desperate to get out and find a kebab shop. Well, and it was. I, I remember watching him. I was literally stood there as he went across, and there were some Leicester Tigers fans opposite me, and they were looking at me because I had my Bristol stuff on, and they were like looking at me with disbelief, going, "Is this normal?" I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, so. And um, and he got then. Then, of course, the other thing that happened on that was that he was then on the scrum the following Tuesday, uh, guest of Jeff Twentyman, and our friend Lee texted in or tweeted in to Jeff saying, ask, ask Nathan about his trip to the kebab shop, which, of course, Jeff then uh, asked him live on air, and poor old Nathan got caught out a little bit, and uh, sort of, um, and, and, and Lee's been uh, running away from him ever since, as far as I know. Well, there, there, there we go, certainly one to remember, and I, just one final thing that I'll throw in, and that's, um, we introduced it, I think, after two or three weeks of the podcast and that's the gets my goat section um where we've talked about things that uh, that has annoyed us to do with rugby in general or, or the club or the game and we've had some crackers there um we've had the caterpillar remember that at the start of the season yeah. the lack of uh, hats for christmas we had the whole salary sins issue exploding beer kegs uh we had simba cam um the, oh. the, 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 the 
bad tannoy in the the dolman um season card renewals fiasco and the lack of uh, a women's range and kits um which thankfully now the club of uh, a whole herd seen, of goats isn't it seen, seen a whole herd of goats it, it, it is so um maybe, maybe we'll bring the goat back for for next year but let's move along because i'm aware time is is ticking away um just uh, a couple of things uh, i want to just pick up on quickly before we finish for tonight uh, one is that the, the champions cup draw for next season is on wednesday the 28th of october and uh, according to my calculations we will play two of the following four teams these are the people that are in tier three obviously we don't pick uh, play another premiership team so i think we're likely to have uh, scarlet's connaught la rochelle or claremont um, so we will have one from the top 14 and one from the pro 14 for those two so that will be exciting uh, for us to find out what happens on Wednesday um, and finally just a couple of tweets that I want to pick up on uh, Stephen Luatoa tonight um, a, a lovely tweet thanking everybody for the, the support that he's had as club captain uh, this season that's in response to him winning the uh, players player of the year award uh, Ian Madigan also tweeted uh, we put a message out about our broken bears all those injuries uh, and Madigan uh, it still follows us and says you know this is the the result of the the crazy schedule that the the premiership boys have had to uh, to follow um, so gentlemen um, I, I I think that's uh, that that's nearly it um, thank you ever so much uh, any any final points from you boys before I wrap up well, there was one quite important bit of milestone, didn't we, uh, this week, which I didn't know if you were going to mention. We did. Uh, in fact, today uh, on Sunday, we have just seen uh, the we've just surpassed twenty five thousand downloads for the podcast, which is which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's been uh, heard now in fifty two countries. Um, I think we're up to nearly a thousand followers on Twitter, so uh, it's it's amazing. So so uh, yes, twenty five thousand downloads, quite a, a milestone. Um, I, I've got something, Tone. I'd yeah. like to say. I'd just like to say on behalf of Miles, Lee, and myself um, that we'd uh, you, you, we we all appreciate the work you've done to this, Tony. You you are the main man. It was your idea, and we know that after we record this on Sunday nights, you then spend you know a fair amount of time having to listen to us all over again and uh, and edit it all out and and get it out in time. Um, and it's it's a big effort, and I'm sure you'll be looking forward to having your Sunday nights back just for a couple of a uh, couple of weeks. But I think uh, you know, on behalf of us, really, is to say, you know, thank you for for the idea and and, and for keeping it going because it's uh, it wouldn't have uh, it wouldn't have got off the ground if it if it wasn't for your uh, your kind of pushing and and your um, organisation. So uh, well, well said. The twenty the twenty five thousand is for you, mate. All right, that's, yeah, yeah, well said. That, that's very kind of you. Well, that's it for the show and for this season um, just before we sign off I just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone who has listened to Bears Beyond the Gate over these past 14 months um, you know I'm sure I speak for all of us when I say you know we still feel very humble that so many of you tune in every week to to support the show and thanks to everyone who follows us on social media we love seeing your posts and uh, taking part in a bit of uh, friendly online ban- banter 
Um, we, we've mentioned just a couple of names, but also thank you to all the people we've interviewed over the months, especially those fans who uh, put down their post-match pints um, to to give us their reactions after the final whistle. Um, big shout out to Jeff Twentyman and the team at BBC Radio Bristol for all their support over the year. Um, I'd, I'd also like to thank John Evely uh, at the Bristol Post for giving us a post-match column in the paper. And of course, as well, just recently, Martin at Bristol 24-7 who's given us the the opportunity to write uh, for that online magazine um, also a big thank you to our wives and girlfriends uh, so so Claire, Hannah, Jules and Wendy uh, thank you, you've supported us in pursuing this mad podcast and of course not to forget our kids who see their dads disappear every Sunday evening to uh, have a beer and talk rugby uh, and last but not least I wanted to say thanks to the three of you um, it's been tremendous fun um, over the past year and, and and thank you for the unique perspectives you bring to the show. So uh, it's true to say, together we rise. So that, that that's it. Until next season, goodbye, stay safe, and come on, Briz. Bristol 24-7.